Welcome to The Conversion Show, a podcast that's all about, you guessed it, conversions. Everything that gets you to your goal, whether that's purchase, lead capture, app install, content downloads, chat engagement, or demo requests, we're talking conversions. Hosted by Eric Christensen, CEO and co-founder of leading conversion optimization platform, Just Do Know. On The Conversion Show, Eric sits down with industry-leading marketers, e-commerce growth experts, founders, and entrepreneurs to chat all things conversion marketing. Be sure to follow The Conversion Show podcast to be notified when a new episode goes live. Like what you hear? Leave us some love with a review. And now, here's your host, Eric Christensen. All right. Well, we're going to kick off The Conversion Show today with Ashlyn Stansbury from Because... And because she is a part of the conversion mafia we're starting. Is mafia the right word? I don't think it's the right word. Consortium. Um, You know, I love having people on the show that understand conversion, that are here helping us build, you know, momentum around conversion with, with, you know, customer acquisition costs, with you know, with the market and everyone trying to focus out, focus in on how to increase profit, the, the market's finally recognizing that we need to focus on conversions. And yeah. there, every day there's new tools popping up. And I, I met Ashlyn at the Clavio event in, in Los Angeles. And immediately when, when I heard what, what she was working towards and has been building for two, three years now. Yeah, two years. Yeah, two years now. Um, it really spark sometimes like oh my god we gotta have you on the show so welcome ashlyn to the conversion show would you like to just give a quick intro of of what you've been building at at because for the last two three years yeah for sure um well thank you for having me i remember when i sat down next to you at the clavio event i um was like oh founder of just you know this is like the perfect person to chat with um so definitely an honor to be here um yeah so i'm ashlyn the founder and ceo of because one of the first female founded e-commerce tech startups gotta definitely get some more of those um we started out of boston which is the same city that companies like clavio and privy got started out of um and then i escaped the colds and moved over to Florida, not going back anytime soon. Um, but we are a platform for high skew stores uh, focused on increasing conversion by creating dynamic website content on their Shopify store. Uh, we specifically focus on helping Shopify merchants that have high volumes of products. They might sell hundreds of products or thousands or even tens of thousands of SKUs and are interested in creating a dynamic content experience across their website uh, where every site visitor that arrives can have a unique experience associated with the product that they're interested in buying, um, as well as based off of who they are, based off their order history, their geolocation, demographic information, and any other data that might help to drive a personalized conversion experience. Well, congrats on, on founding, you know, like you, like you mentioned, you know, any, any further support, encouragement to other female founders, we love seeing in in the space here. And it's an added bonus when it's around conversion. So welcome. You mentioned Boston. Um, I I love working with Ben at a privy, watching him grow the company. A lot of, you know, Boston's really spawned a lot of great companies in recent years. And you know, HubSpot, yeah, a lot of e-commerce. And, and now you're in Florida, which is the the new new hub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's really up there. and coming. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, when we talk about you know you founding the company, can we just? I'd love to hear how you came about 
founding the company in the conversion space in in retail to kind of learn a little bit there and then we'll move into more of this you know product page dynamic personalization yeah for sure um well i have to take you back like all the way back to kind of understand how I started a company when I was like 22. Um, so I was born and raised in Boston. I was uh, raised by a multi-time entrepreneur, dad. Um, my dad started and sold three software companies. He bootstrapped all of them. So he was like super scrappy and uh, he dropped out of college to start his first company. So he was like really a self-made man. Um, and he sat me down when I was about seven years old. So my brother was five. And he was like, I'm going to teach you guys what daddy does. Um, and we were, this was like our first talk on like uh, the opportunity for, you know, what a career would look like, which is probably a pretty young age to have that kind of conversation. Um, and he pulled out an easel and a permanent marker and he wrote the word entrepreneur. Uh, so that was my extremely young exposure to the concept of starting your own business and working for your own dreams rather than someone else's, which is obviously like the ultimate goal of even having an e-commerce tech company to support all of these other small businesses that are trying to grow. Uh, but he had started to explain the concept to me of um, financial wealth and freedom and what it meant to run your own business and to create assets versus liabilities. He was literally teaching this to me as a child. Uh, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was like 13, which was like my foundation to my financial like uh, mindset. Um, and so I decided to go to Babson in Wellesley, which is a school focused almost entirely on entrepreneurship tried to get as much of an entrepreneurial education as possible, which you can kind of do in the classroom. Babson does a pretty good job with it. Um, and I started because um, right when I graduated, um, the first couple of years I was working on a completely different company. I went through a super fun startup pivot journey, which I've documented at length on LinkedIn, if anyone is interested in kind of checking out how you go through that journey. Um, but the first couple of years were actually focused on an influencer marketing platform, which has pretty much nothing to do with what we do today. So I won't go into too much detail on that. Um, but it was the middle of COVID and we were seeing just all of these changes in um, a lot of the brick and mortar stores shutting down, not knowing when they were going to be able to open up again. And e-commerce is absolutely booming. Um, I was not super familiar with e-commerce at the time, but I knew that it was the place to go. I just had this like gut feeling that it was something I wanted to get into. Uh, we had just raised our pre-seed round. We had you know cash in the bank. We had barely spent any of it. Startup days back when our burn was like 10K monthly. Uh, we were like, okay, well, we can start to pursue a new direction here. I reached out on Instagram DM with a, a couple of interns that were helping me to as many Shopify brands as I could possibly get my hands on. It was like, please just talk to me. I tried to reach out to like female founded brands, like anyone that would give me the time of day. And I started to get on the phone with a bunch of brands that sold hundreds or thousands of products. I started to kind of talk to this high skew market. And I started to realize that over 40% of e-commerce stores sell greater than 50 SKUs and no one had ever built for them before. So their needs around creating high volumes of content on their website, uh, being able to manage all of that content without the need for a developer, because the majority of e-commerce businesses don't have an in-house developer, even the ones that do don't have to ask their developer every time they want to make a change to their website. Uh, we started to really uncover this opportunity to build for these guys. It was not clear exactly what we were going to build. That's been something we've been continuing to iterate on throughout our journey, but we knew that it was something related to building for this part of the market. The uh, I'm just envisioning you sitting at the uh at the easel trying to figure out your lemonade stand like here yes. <laughs> oh yeah no yeah that's that's really cool to hear the uh I, every time i go buy a lemonade lemonade stand which we used to as kids and i see it's like a dollar 25 or like whatever i'm like oh my god oh, yeah they hustle you 100%. but the product is the same just like 
you know, the lemonade, yeah. the Light Aid, whatever that powder lemonade is. So, oh yeah, a Girl Scout cookie, and I rocked those Girl Scout sales. <laughs> nice, yeah. You were probably with, <laughs> as soon as online happened, that changed the game with with uh, the Girl Scout cookies distribution. Oh yeah, right. All the rights. So the you know, as we talk about tools for digital marketers for um, for conversion and focusing on on that on a product page, a SKU. Yeah. You know, inventory is, is something that is a brutal aspect of retail. It's one of the reasons I, it was the first thing I was excited about getting out of retail was just managing inventory makes or breaks businesses, especially when you're yeah. DTC and you have to, you have to produce it, you have to sit on it. And it's all about flushing it out. Um, yeah. But that's why people go to their, go to websites. They go to buy the product. Mm -hmm. And so they get on the product page and oftentimes even on, you know, there's so much low hanging fruit when it comes to a product page across the board, when it comes to conversion optimization, optimization, you know, the stat still stands true, you know, roughly for every $90 spent to drive traffic, you know, one or $2 is spent to convert that traffic. So as we mm -hmm. look at areas, you know, there's hundreds, if not thousands of ways to optimize a website, but digital marketers don't have the time to do it all. Yeah. So with your clients, where do you see some winning in terms of actually taking, stealing some time away, some resources to, to actually make an impact? Yeah. Um, well, so one thing that I was going to talk about, that's been, um, something that's really interesting around just like capitalizing on your data that you're getting from your customers and sort of, um, bringing that into your site. Um, one is around capturing like survey data, um, I was recently at the shop talk event with um, Octane AI, and I was like really intrigued by what they're working on around survey data and quiz data. Um, so being able to take that data of like what their preferences are and what they're interested in um, and be able to really adapt the on-site content that they're seeing. Um, so I think really just this concept of like understanding what your customers care about and then being able to change the experience that they're seeing on-site. Um, this also gets into the concept of like, how do you take all of the data that you have off your site that you're getting from other channels, from how your customers are interacting on social, how they're interacting in email, how they're interacting with your ads, um, and all these other things offsite that are capturing their attention. How do you make sure that when they are landing on your product page, that it feels like a connected journey? I think a lot of the time when uh, these digital marketers are running ads and they're driving people to their landing pages, they're not thinking about how those two things connect. Like the ad experience had this type of copy and this type of graphic and this type of discount code. And then they're bringing them into that landing page, whether it's taking them directly to the product page or a custom landing page. And it just feels like a completely disconnected experience. I've definitely witnessed this myself as a site visitor, just like, you know, having my attention caught by a particular product that I'm seeing on an ad. Like, I love this sweater. It's so cute. I get to the site and I'm like, where is the sweater? Like, I can't even find the original message that caught my attention. Um, or I can't find the discount code that was offered in the ad. So it's really just helping to connect those, the offsite data to the onsite data to make sure that that is a streamlined journey. It really is that connected journey that it's, it's our job. I'm what I've really learned in 2023, our job is to educate the digital marketer, marketer on the importance of that connected journey, but then how to actually achieve it at scale. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's it's shocking how many major retailers, high skew retailers, are treating every visitor the same. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. How 
how are we not focusing mm -hmm. on this? And it goes back to time, resources, and tools. And yeah. as we look yeah. at the e-commerce space, you know, you're two to three years old. As I see new tools come into the conversion space, as soon as something hits, you start seeing them pop up, you know, in, mm -hmm. in the app store and, and the focus. And I love seeing your focus on the product page. And yeah. it, it goes into understanding the needs of your consumer. And if you, as you step back and look at retail itself, and just the foundational brick and mortar retail, you know, it's that story of when someone walks into a store, you know, they say, you know, they greet you, they ask you if you need direction to find something, you know, it's like recreating that in-store experience online. We still have a long way to go. Yeah. And that's what excites me every day. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed just like specifically being focused on high skew stores is how much real estate is wasted on the product page. The product page is one of the parts of the site that has pretty much remained unchanged for a decade and is not very different across majority of retailers. You'll look at different home pages, um, you look at different landing pages, different collection pages, and people are starting to get creative, kind of making changes and making them different and unique. You look at the product page, it's always the image on the left, the title on the right, the price below that, product description below that, maybe an accordion below that. Scroll down, you get to recommended products, you get to reviews. Like it's the same exact layout on literally every site. So that was actually one of the, the reasons why we thought that the product page was ready for so much innovation is because there is so much standardiz standardization around inserting new content. You can kind of predict what's there and where the opportunities might be, especially from like an automation perspective where our platform is focused on um, being able to automate new content being added to the site quickly and without the need for a developer. Because of the standardization of the product page, it allows for that to happen easily. Um, but there are so many like white spaces and just opportunities for new content in that very archaic structure. So <laughs> it's that standard. People are afraid of change and affecting something that might, they may lose their job. That's where like mm -hmm. the AP testing can come in. What are some of the, so you, you, I fully agree with you. You, you, you pointed out a few, you know, a few key areas for opportunity where people are losing what are some like how can you win what are some like you know what are some opportunities that people can plug in today do you think so I think one of the ones that we've seen that has driven the most conversion just like based off of measuring impact on like lift on add to cart rate and conversion rate is adding reviews above the fold literally no one is doing this Every single product page has reviews all the way down at the bottom of the page. They're typically scrollable from one of the platforms like Yapo or Smile or reviews.io. Um, and those are all super valuable reviews that are helping the site visitor to make their purchase decision, but they're not relevant to that particular site visitor. If I'm a size small and I'm five foot two, I'm very short. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to find the particular review that's going to resonate with me to tell me if these pants are too long because they're mm -hmm. always too long. Um, why do I have to scroll through like 80 reviews to get that answer? So that's one low hanging fruit that I think literally no one is doing is moving reviews above the fold. Not all the reviews, just the review that's relevant to that site visitor. Um, the second that's a major low-hanging fruit just with Gen Z and millennial being incredibly impatient with online shopping is they literally never want to pay for free shipping. So if you are offering free shipping, which majority of retailers that we work with are over a certain threshold, 
um, tell the site visitor how close they are to that threshold. Don't make them wait until they get into checkout to see that they have like $2 left to get to free shipping, which is the most infuriating thing on the planet. Um, tell them on the product page experience above the folds, again, before the customer scrolls, that they have $7 left to get to free shipping. And don't just tell them they have $7 left. Tell them how to get that $7. Link them over to the accessories page or whatever pages or whatever collection page has a series of low-priced products that will actually help them to cross that threshold. You know, you're, you're touching on the, but I, <clears throat> I like to talk about the Amazon experience in a positive way. You know, <laughs> they've won, you know, they've won 65% of the market share because they've been customer obsessed from day one. Yeah. And their entire experience is what their consumers' needs are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, consumer psychology is an aspect of conversion optimization that, you know, we really need to work towards helping educate again our retailers mm -hmm. like do you understand what your customers basic needs are <laughs> yeah yeah it's like when you go to a product page it's like you're not telling you know you need they don't care what do they care about first and foremost it's shipping it's still the number one card abandonment reason and it's not yep. just shipping costs it's when am i going to get this item when am I going to get it? Yeah. Which Amazon crushes. They're so good at that. Yeah. And then you mentioned a few different services reviews. I think another very much overlooked one is returns. And there's a lot mm -hmm. of great apps for that. And, it, you know, we talk about all these different apps, you know, there's so many great uh, integrated, you know, integration partners or just technology partners that both you and I can work with to help educate, mm -hmm. to help educate the the consumer themselves of what this retailer provides to you as a service. You know, yeah. I, I I personally don't shop places because I know the returns might be a total pain in the pain. Oh yeah. I think I've switched to a lot of my purchases on Amazon because I'm so worried about the returns. Right. <laughs> Which I hate, so, to admit, but 100%. There's yeah. another aspect, you know, product pages probably, you know, when it comes to bounce rates and looking at product pages, trying to understand why people are bouncing. You know, I personally, and I'm sure I'm, I'm curious for you to do it. I know other people do it is I will go, I love supporting brands directly. Mm -hmm. And, but if I don't trust that brand, if they don't, if they don't speak to me to understanding that they understand what my needs are, I will yeah. go all the way through. Then I'll just Apple tea, Amazon, boom. I know I'll get it next day, free shipping. Yep. That is something that needs, it's an opportunity for us to educate the shopper on our product page about yeah. why they, why it benefits them to shop with us. I think on that one, just to add like one more suggestion to the earlier suggestions around reviews and shipping, um, a lot of people, a lot of these merchants expect the site visitors to be able to check out like their about us page no one is reading your about us page. It's like literally one of the last places a site visitor is going to go, but it does share that story of like, who is your brand? Why should I care about you? And why should I trust you? So part of my new thing this past six months is I've been actually, well, not reading. I can't say read. I've been using audible <laughs> for oh, no. reading up on conversion books and consumer psychology. And you just mentioned something that actually, um, I forget who it was. It might've been John McDonald. Um, pointed out that it's all about building trust with this retailer. 
And they suggested the about us shouldn't be buried. It yeah. should be actually brought to the forefront of, look, we, this is what we believe in as a retailer. Like we, our customer is everything. We, we care about this is what, this is what you're buying. You're not just buying a product. You're buying into a brand and the story of the brand. Because the product page, the way it's structured today assumes that the site visitor arrives on the homepage. That's not always the case today. Majority of the time it's not because site visitors are coming from social and they're going straight to the product that you're, you're advertising. So you're expecting the site visitor to be navigating around that buying journey and being able to see what you care about as a brand. But the product page today doesn't talk about the brand. And I think that's a big weakness. What you don't, I won't hold you to this if you don't know this, because I personally don't know this. What is the percentage of traffic that will arrive on a product page over a homepage? I don't know the stat offhand, but I know that it is significant, the percent that are going straight to the product page or straight to a landing page, because majority of D2C brands are running their businesses off of social ads, and they're not dropping their social ads straight to the homepage. Yeah. the I mean, there's so much to uncover. It's like when you start, what I love doing is when you start with a, a website, start by just analyzing their traffic. And breaking it down to the new versus repeat, understanding those are two different customers. And then you have mm -hmm. the repeat that that are waiting to buy. You know, people will visit a site, you know, upwards. There's a great example. This one book, like a woman going to a site 543 times before buying a thousand dollar pair of shoes. Oh this was in this book I was reading. But, it, but what they were saying is it cost that brand so much more money to retarget that person to bring them back. They lost mm -hmm. money on that $1,000 pair of shoes because right. they couldn't convince them on the product page to buy. So yeah. are there other, what other opportunities do retailers have to help convince that shopper to, to check out on that page? And, or what is what what do you see as the future of where retailers can go to help convert that visitor so they don't bounce? So if you've already covered your like brand story, like what does your brand care about? You've already put some type of messaging on your product page that's like emphasizing who you are as a brand to build that social trust. If you've already you know brought some reviews or one review above the fold, that's going to resonate with that site visitor um, that's giving social proof. And you've already covered shipping. The other suggestions that I would have would be first, talk to either the founder of the company or the digital marketer, whoever knows the customer the best. And on each of your products, or even just start with your collections, if you have a really large catalog, ask yourself, why would a customer buy this product? We did this exercise with one of our customers, Tomboy X. Um, they're a gender neutral apparel brand, and they offer things like underwear and bras and loungewear. And we went through this exercise with their digital marketing team where we asked them, okay, why would a customer buy these boy shorts? Like, you know, we, we don't know their product as well as they do. So we're asking them these questions to yeah. get these answers on them. And they go, oh, well, you know, they're, they don't ride up and they're the right length and they're really comfy. And they're kind of going through all of like their reasons for why the product was designed. And I'm like, perfect. Let's put that right at the top of the page because, you know, you can talk about your ingredients and your um, materials and the percentage poly and all of that in your product description. But why don't you just talk about the key reasons why you even designed the product in the first place? This obviously becomes more difficult with the more products you have, but you can also do this on a collection level. Just say why you designed the entire tensile collection. I love that question. You know, why would someone buy this? Like, 
are there any other you know getting back to the basics like are there any other basic questions you you ask you you ask them or any other clients yeah i mean around um you know what are the benefits of the product um if it's apparel it's more just like you know did you design them to be like comfortable or the certain <clears> length or whatever it might be with um, food and Bev or supplements or anything of that nature, it's obviously going to be more geared towards the benefits, which can also definitely be displayed through social proof. Like rather than trying to, to talk about your own benefits, get your customers to talk about them, right? Put that in social proof. Um, and the final piece that I always recommend is cross-selling and upselling. This can be dangerous because it can take the site visitor away from the product they're on. But if the site visitor landed on your site, because maybe something about the ad caught their attention, the product they landed on isn't the one they're going to buy, most likely they're going to bounce. If instead you have an option that says, not looking for this, looking for this, and you can suggest them over to that other product, that's going to be a really great way to continue that shopping journey versus just saying, oh, well, this isn't the right product for you. See you never. Like you're never even going to remember my brand. The uh, 35% of Amazon's revenue is from product rec. Yeah. Like not and this one, go over here. Yeah. And I think the opportunity there is really, again, speaking to the consumer with data, you know, it's like, why are you showing We don't think we explain enough of why we're showing on these items. You know, what yeah. if we added, you know, 83% of consumers also bought this item with that item or, Ooh, like you know, like, you, yeah. you, we can start leveraging data to to explain to people why they're experiencing something versus, yeah. oh, they're just well, trying to tell us. I know you guys are like pretty big on like AI and product recommendations. Like how are you thinking about all of the changes that have happened in the AI landscape to make those product directs better? Because I think that's one of the biggest complaints in the space is that they can appear random and they're not always relevant to the site visitor. Like how does that get better with all these recent advancements? So very, there's little tweaks that can be done to make it more relevant in terms of, like I mentioned, why aren't we exposing the data behind the logic? Mm -hmm. That I think is the lowest hanging fruit, you know, communicate to me why this is here and it'll, and it'll, I can't make the connection, but if, but if the data is there, you can. And as we talk right. a lot about AI and what it really is, is machine learning, you know, it's like, let's take in all this data and we will do all the work for you and present it. Obviously you can tweak the algorithms and stuff. And mm -hmm. it even goes into, you know, we've talked a lot about product page, but there's so much that can be done with product rec when it comes even to the home page or any page is that just study what Amazon's doing mm -hmm. and apply it to your site. And that is what's exciting about today is we can now, the tools are now available that Amazon has, has built into their system to, to the everyday retailer to compete. And then you talk- One of my friends works at Amazon and he um, is the director of engineering and he has 300 engineers that work for him. Um, and I asked him like, what do you guys work on at Amazon? Like, what's your main focus for your team? He's like, oh, we just run the review section. Like 300 engineers just for the reviews. Yeah. You can imagine how many engineers are working on their product recommendations and all of their other features there it's endless but then you look at as we get back to the product page and and like in in retailers brands themselves is that what is their competitive advantage over amazon and what it is is they own their product and guess what you can now do free gifts with your product 
you know, you have the margin with your own product where you can do something Amazon can't. You can say, you can communicate on that product page, hey, free gift with this purchase or free gift if you add X more dollars to your cart to get them, you know, why should I shop with you over Amazon? There's a reason. One of my favorite brands is Il Maquillage. Um, I use their foundation and their mascara. I originally, um, when my very first experience with the brand, they sent me their like, have you ever heard of the, like the color matching quiz that they do where they try to like match your skin perfectly oh, yeah, the first time? Super so powerful. the first time, I, I didn't believe it at all. I was like, I don't think this is going to work. The first time it didn't work. It was so orange. I looked like Snooki. And I messaged them and I was, I was just expecting a really negative response from like a lot of other experiences that I've had. They were like, just keep it. We're going to send you a full bottle of a new one for free. So I got that next one. It was the perfect color. I've been with them for about two years now. Every single, I think I get it every two months. I'm on subscription. Every two months, they send me a new bottle of foundation. And every time there's a free gift. The number of products that I now purchase from them on repeat because I tried that mascara when it was a free mm -hmm. gift or I tried that lipstick when it was a free gift. And I'm obsessed with that product too. It's about like putting your products forward. Like if you believe in that mascara and you think you're going to get someone addicted to it by giving it for free, do it, right? And I, now I'm such a loyal uh, follower of that brand. The, the greatest marketing dollar you can spend is investing back into your customer. Yeah. And the... And that's where organizations, you have to have that buy-in from leadership to take some of that offsite spend and invest into it, whether it's product giveaway, whether it's paying for shipping, whatever it is to take care and focus on the customer. Like your story right there is, is a perfect example of brand. I'm wondering when they're going to stop sending me all these free gifts because they've gotten so many. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're coming up to time. Uh, I could keep keep chatting for for a while here, but our listeners probably need to get back to their you know maybe they're finishing their drive or their workout. Um, we we touch on it lightly, but uh, you know maybe to finish up, we could hear where you really view the future. What's next for because? What's next for conversion in your mind? As we yeah. as we you know we're just finished Q one of of twenty twenty three. How are we going to finish the year? Can't believe it's twenty twenty three. Um, yeah, so I, I'll share a little bit of just like where my mindset is right now, which I think wraps up a lot of the conversation we've been having today of trying to take the data that these merchants have from other offsite channels and being able to use that data to enrich the onsite experience. So I'll give an example of an integration that we just launched, which was why I was at the event. Um, so we just launched an integration with Klaviyo where we are getting access to all of the data that the merchant has inside of Klaviyo associated with their customer segments. So like, let's say they're never purchase segment or their VIP segment of customers, all of their campaigns or any promotional campaigns they're running and all of their flows. So abandoned cart flows, um, and any other flows that are associated with getting customers back to the site. So for us, what we're basically trying to do is take all of the data from that channel, that offsite channel. Um, and when the site visitor arrives on site, detect who they are. We know that they're in that never purchase segment. We know that they're coming from that abandoned cart flow. They just received that email from Clavio or they just received a, an SMS from Attentive and then change the messaging that they're seeing on site. So for us, we're focused on just changing text-based and image-based content on site based off of whatever data we know about that site visitor as well as, well as data that we know about the product that they're viewing. 
With the Clavio example, if a site visitor arrives on site from that never purchased segment, why don't we offer them a discount code because we know that they came back. We don't want to offer that discount code in our top announcement bar to everyone because then everyone's taking advantage of that discount code. But let's offer that discount code to Joe, who we know is part of our never purchased segment. We know he's been back to the site six times in the last couple of weeks, and we know he's been eyeing the, this pair of jeans, and let's get him to convert. Is today the day, Joe? <laughs> today is the day, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> the personalization element of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. Flavio, I was amazed at their focus uh, this year in, in really harness being that the aggregate of everyone's data. They're very much in integrations now, you know, coming in and then also going out um, to create this, you know, this cross-platform connected journey. Oh, yeah. The way that they were talking about all of the... They had a, a slide for each section of like personalization. Um, I think they talked about like SMS, email, just all the different channels. They talked about reviews, returns, and they just basically showed how they all interconnect in this like really interesting way. Like they're the heart of this whole system. Uh, it was super cool to see how they're thinking about it. Well, Ashlyn, thank you for joining us today. For our our listeners, where where can they learn more? Yeah, so you guys can learn more by going to trybecause.com um, or go to the Shopify app store and search because to go ahead and download. All right, do it just because, you know, you never just know what you learn. <laughs> well, um, thanks for listening today, everyone. Uh, please remember to follow, like, subscribe to The Conversion Show and uh, we'll wrap it up here. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you for joining, Ashlyn. Thank you for having me.